Alrighty, folks, we got a banger of a podcast lined up for you all today. Jack is back from the East Coast, back in the great state of Michigan. And uh, we had one of our more, I think, well-received and popular uploads of the year, if not all time, within the last couple days. So uh, we'll talk about the Oklahoma series and everything that's involved with that. And we're joined by Jordan Robles. This is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Jack, Jordan, thank you for joining me today on the pod. Happy to be here. So happy to be back in the mitten, seeing Tom's beautiful face in person. It's unbelievable. I feel like, uh, you know, we've been doing good on the podcast recently, but in person, I, I feel like it, they're, the one those ones are always better. Uh, For so, sure. Um, I'm excited to, to get going here with, you know, these next slate of pods mm-hmm. going forward. And Jordan, where are you joining us from today? Uh, the beautiful state of New York. Uh, I'm on summer vacation, got two weeks left, and um, I'm loving it. Two weeks of relaxation before the uh, new year kicks off. Anything need to be done by you as the uh, as the gym teacher in terms of preparatory work before the school year starts? You know, as a phys ed teacher, we've got absolutely brutal job <laughs> demands. So I don't know how I'm going to find time within these next two weeks to get, uh, get the equipment room prepared and uh, get things ready. But, you know, someone has to do it, and uh, I answer the call every day. Every year, I should say. Every year. Hey, Jim... Gym can be a great class or it can be a miserable class. Some kids love gym, some kids hate gym. So don't say your job's for nothing. You gotta, you gotta make those kids smile and get them active. I'm on the front lines of the obesity epidemic. That's right. Year in, <laughs> year out, I'm making a difference, one class at a time. Good, good. All right, we love to hear that. We love to hear that. Noble, noble. <laughs> we we salute you for your service. <clears throat> but, um, so. The reason we wanted to have Jordan on today, of course, is because he was a part of a very special event, special video, which was the uh, Oklahoma series that went live on Friday. And if for some reason you have not had the chance to watch that yet, um, I highly recommend you pause this podcast right now and, and join us once you're finished because that video was uh, super special and I don't want to spoil um, the, the, the magic that that video possessed if you haven't seen it yet. So Jack, myself, and Jordan are going to dive in today um, and talk more about the experience um, from being there versus Jack's perspective of watching the video. So... Um, and of course, Jordan was there as well and contributed in a big way to the, the, the vibe of that video. So I guess for me, I can start and just comment by saying, um, because I was present, I'm the only one of this, of this group here that was present for both the 2021 outing to Oklahoma, as well as the 2022 series. Whereas in 2021, um, I did not play. I was just there kind of from a production standpoint. I was behind the camera doing the commentating and stuff like that. And I was jealous of the players that were playing in the game because, you know, when you're on a field like that, I don't care how old you are, it brings out, you know, the young kid in you who wanted to do stuff mm-hmm. like this. And it's just such a cool experience, cool environment, playing in front of fans. That was like the first time we ever did that. So I was 100% like, God, I wish this was the Mallards in this series. And, um, you know, right after that first weekend wrapped up, um, we started to make plans, you know, to, to return for the following season. And um, the Mallards were kind of in there already as like the team that was going to be slated for that right but things can change jack you know what i mean um due to players availability um due to like other travel plans falling through like for example if um the mini vermont series had fallen through like we would have wanted to put the d-backs on the road because the d-backs are a very popular team and jimmy's a popular player so like we wanted to give him a travel experience so if right. that didn't work out like the d-backs might have been slotted into oklahoma you know what mm-hmm. i mean so a lot of things had to fall in correctly for the mallards to get that series but i was super happy that it worked out that way and um the environment this year was, I'm not saying year one wasn't special because it was, but it was for sure like more lively this year, more people um, like, and not only that, but like the people that were there were also just like more invested. Like there was more real fans. People dra- traveled from several different states. Um, it wasn't included in the video, but. You were naming them in the, in the, uh, the mic'd up segment. Yeah, I was naming them in the yeah, mic'd up all segment. different states. That was pretty cool. But pregame, a couple times you probably heard um, Lee Lawson's voice on the microphone. He was doing like, now batting, number 27, Chris yeah. Cheatham, that kind of stuff. So he was on the microphone the entire game. And at one point in between innings this year, he was like, um, we got fans from all over the country today. And he's like, where are my Wisconsin fans? Because he had already met people, you know? Yeah. So then that little small group cheered. And he's like, where's my Virginia fans? Where's my Alabama fans? My California fans? He went one by one. And there were nice. so many different states that were represented. It was crazy. So that was super cool. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, luckily we played great. And it seemed like either because we were playing great or just um, by coincidence, more of the people there seemed to be on the Mallards bandwagon compared to the uh, the Gators bandwagon. So, um, like, the energy for us was insane. 
And, um, you know, I played high school sports and stuff like that and youth baseball and travel baseball. But, like, um, I can't think of too many crowds that were, like, that invested in the game that I've been playing in. Um, in high school, maybe, like, playoff games, I'd yeah. say, would be it. And then I played one, like, 18-inning game where the crowd got pretty big as the game went on. And then when I was 12, um, playing in the Cooperstown Dreams Park Tournament, which if you're a baseball player, um, you may be familiar with that tournament. It's a very popular one for 12-year-olds in the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, at one point, we were we were the 32 seed out of the 104 teams. And um, so it lined up like we won two games in the single elimination bracket and then had to play the one seed. So our game against the one seed had so many people there. And I remember I got a bunt single at one point in that game. And like it was the loudest like crowd cheer I've like ever experienced. But this one was right there with it. And I don't think Jordan could probably attest to this. Um, I don't think the video like did it justice as to how loud it actually was there. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, it was like you were saying, it was awesome to have fans that were there that were knowledgeable, that knew stuff about the league. You said they were invested, but um, yeah, it, it was very loud. It felt like being there, there just felt like so many people there. Like it's hard to see it on the video because mm-hmm. a lot of people are off to the sides and behind home plate, but it was loud. It felt like there's a ton of people there. It was awesome. Yeah, it was it was literally loud. Like I remember specifically a couple times, number one, because this one you're thinking about it more, when I was mic'd up and like the chants were happening behind me, like I didn't know if the mic was going to be able to hear my voice or like the people yeah. behind me, but due to like the proximity features of the mic, like it did, I sounded fine. And then also during Jordan's interview post game, do you remember that Jordan? It was so loud behind you, behind you when you were <laughs> yeah. talking. The it was awesome, was man. Weird. It was a real experience. It was awesome. It was crazy, but I don't know. Like Jack, did you could you tell like through the video how loud that crowd was, or did it seem more like um, like hit or miss at times? Because it was were, consistently loud. Yeah, like I mean, you're saying it was consistently loud. I would say watching the video, there were a couple times where. Um, like someone was throwing a pitch and they're like mid pitch and it's like quack attack quack attack like in the back so i mean that sounded pretty loud on the video like i i could see how in that you know sort of uh smaller like field environment how that sound would amplify you know what i mean i mean how many people do you think were at that game i'd say at its peak probably like between 100 and 125 maybe i don't know because you think yeah but 125 people in that space is that that's you know condensed you know that gets that gets loud i'll be honest i'm not great at gauging the yeah. size of a crowd it's, yeah i bet you it was more than that just based on looking at the video yeah i, I really don't know more, because but. yeah i think about it like beyond the fence alone there was like 25 people yeah. and then the whole like the whole from the right field foul pole to the left field foul pole around home plate was like surrounded so it probably was closer to 200 but um, Especially night two. Night two was packed. Yeah, night two was packed. That was the Saturday night. So we shot um, game one on Friday night, and then games two and three were on Saturday night, and Saturday night was jammed. But yeah, the Mallards chants were real. There was kind of a ringleader. I don't know how old this kid was, but he was just getting the kids fired up. And this is kind of funny. Um, is it is that the kid with the L.A. hat? No, that kid was awesome, though. Yeah, I got to give him a shout-out, too. Alex. California. Yeah. That's crazy. But no, there was, a, there was a taller kid who you might see near the end of the video, like, doing chants and stuff like that. But he was uh, really getting the kids fired up, and they had a great time. These kids looked like they were having the time of their lives. Yeah. But, Jack, several different times throughout that game, I would, like, sneak away from right field or, like, sneak away from where I was sitting um, when we were hitting. And I was like, yo, like I talked to a kid or a fan. I'm like, yo, get some Go Gators chants going. It's like I wanted there to be some banter amongst the fans. So yeah. I was trying to like fire someone up, but no one, <laughs> no one had the courage to do it. No one wanted to be the person to start it. And even like there was groups of kids. I'm like, yo, get a Go, get a Let's Go Gators chant going. Yeah. So I thought it would have been so funny to see like the back and forth of the fan bases, but um, no, no one had the No love for the Gators? No, there was no love for the Gators. And um, I will say that um, like – there was even a grown man who was there watching. I think he was there both years, and um, he was uh, he was having a good time. And um, <laughs> I thought for sure, like I thought for sure, he'd be like a great candidate to get it going because none of these kids were doing it for me. And I walk up to him like, "Yo, you want to stir the pot a little bit?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I want to stir the pot." And I was like, "Get a let's go Gators shank going." And he goes, "Nah, man, I'm a Mallards fan." <laughs> and I'm like, "Come on, a smart guy." So I thought that was pretty funny, but yeah, no one wanted to help me out and get it going. So. Um, we, we let it roll with just the, the Mallards, and um, I guess, lucky for us, we delivered for the fans. But it was a good series. It didn't feel like a sweep, I guess. I mean, we did yeah. dominate, so maybe it did. They didn't score any runs off of us. But, like, there were times where I was sweating still, right? Like, game three was a close game, and Caden was 
in a jam there late in the game, but uh, the environment was just was just insane. And I want to hear more from you, Jordan. I've been talking a lot about like your your expectations that you had for the event versus um, what you actually experienced there in Oklahoma. Yeah, so like I always probably not a good thing but i always expect the worst so in my mind i'm thinking like man if there's 20 people that show up that that'll be awesome you know like mm-hmm. uh, you if yeah it's probably like the most amount of wiffleball people i've played in front of but that's just because there's 40 teams there so mm-hmm. you got 40 teams four players each team but there's no true fans there's no truly anyone that's knowledgeable about like what you know the lead you're playing in the team you're on and everything um so yeah, I just I couldn't believe how many people there were. I couldn't believe how knowledgeable the fans were. You had Eagles fans. I, I saw a kid uh, at the anchor wearing a, a Daniel Schultz Eagles jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a ton of Alan Ward jerseys over there too. So it was just awesome to see people were truly there to watch the series, and they they loved MLW. Um, once in a lifetime experience. You know, like I, I was expecting twenty to twenty five people there, and then seeing like you said earlier, hundred to one hundred twenty five people chant and quack attack like. This has always been what I envisioned as a dream of something that would never happen in my lifetime, at least. I figured, like, this will happen two or three decades from now in a perfect world or whenever the moment I stop playing. But <laughs> to be a part of it in real time, I was like, I cannot believe this is happening. I, I rewatched the video twice, and I just still, like, <laughs> I cannot believe that happened. It, I know. That, that's kind of the, that's kind of like the, I guess you could say it's bittersweet, but like with the video being delayed from when the actual event happened, like it does make you appreciate the, like the atmosphere again. Cause you kind of forget, you know, you're, you're, you move on and time passes and then you watch it again and kind of get to relive it for the first time. Yeah. It, exactly. Like you said, like you, you genuinely do forget, like when the time, by the time our series uploads, there's so many little details that I genuinely uh, missed and uh, it's just great to relive it again. And you know, Mm-hmm. Get to experience all the different angles and get a different perspective. Jordan, you obviously uh, got it done on the mound. Had a big home run, game three too. Do you think the Do you think that environment and that crowd um, sort of like propelled you to play better, or um, were you kind of nervous in the beginning because it might have been more people than you expected, or how did How did you kind of feed off the crowd? Yeah, so this whole experience was like a perfect storm for me. I love big moments. I love crowds. So like hearing the let's go mallard fans um us scoring in the first inning game one like i love i love those environments i love big moment environments so like this is right up my alley you know like i i want to play in front of the most people imaginable in the most important game so it was, this is was just a dream come true for me. I, I, this is exactly what i live for and how much uh how much pressure were you putting on yourself to hit a homer in this series <laughs> <laughs> honestly like that i, I never I genuinely never step into the box and think like I I need to hit the ball over the fence. I'm gonna try and hit the ball over the fence. I, I was just figured if I get on base, I don't swing at any bad pitches, getting good counts, then I'm gonna get my pitch to hit. And if I put a good swing on it, you know, the rest will take care of itself. But to hit it out over the monster, like I I, I don't know. I I you, you couldn't have written that any better. I feel like um, I, I knew I hit it high enough. I just wasn't sure if it was gonna go that extra little bit it needed to go fully over the monster. But uh. I'm glad if I hit it out of any park of that ballpark, it was over the monster. And mm-hmm. game three, you know, zero zero game, two outs in the last inning. It yeah, it was clutch. Crazy. I think the bat flip showed that you were pretty confident it was going to get out of there. But <laughs> I like I, I like that field. Like I want your guys' take on that field because to me, it seems uh, it seems like a, a good switch up because I feel like the fences there are a little bit deeper. Are they deeper? Yes. So they, they definitely look a little bit deeper, and um, that's cool because it, it, it keeps a lot more balls in play that, like, might be home runs or and or, like, playing on that turf, the ball plays a lot differently. So, like, it just makes things more interesting, I feel like. And then when someone finally does hit a home run, like, they're, you know, we, most of the batters are righties, so they're naturally going to try to pull it over that monster. So, like, I think that field is really cool. But, like, what was both your guys' take on just playing on that field? Um, I'll start. Um, so I've been a part of two series there now. Um, and yeah, it's no secret that, that, uh, the Meadows is a bit more home run friendly compared to yeah. the Shangri-La, but, um, I think overall play on turf is nice because everything's true. Um, it's quick. The ball rolls, like I said, a lot more hits, balls in play. Um, the fences, I, I think it's a, it's, you definitely have to earn your homer, right? And it gets deep near center field. 
I think if it were me in my perfect world, I would make center field just a touch shallower. But it's for sure hittable. Like Nick Saylor put one out last year over the center field wall. Mm-hmm. Like he crushed the ball. But just for the sake of, you know, in, in our style of play in MLW, um, you know, we only play three three-inning games. So in, in this instance, we only had one home run for a three-game series. I think our audience and as players, you want to see a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. So um, distance-wise, I think the monster looks cool. It's awesome. Like it makes you um, – it's, it's shallower over there. So left field is significantly shallower than center. But like where Jordan hit it was more in left center. So that was like – Right, that was deep. Well hit. Yeah. Um, but um, I think just a touch shallower, maybe 5 to 10 feet in center would make things um, a little bit more hitter friendly. But I don't know, Jordan, what did you think? I loved it. I loved the fact that it was also a little bit wider too. Like you get true bounces on turf. Wiffle ball, I feel like in a perfect world, will always be played on turf just because you get true bounces. But on that same token, I've played on other turf fields, and anytime you slide, you're going to get scraped up. You're going to get turf burned. But uh, going into this series, my goal is don't slide so I don't get scratched up. And then I had to slide to second base and slide a couple times. But thankfully, this turf was incredible. I didn't get cut at all. Um, perfectly soft perfectly great turf um so i and also the the fence distances i love them because i feel like to hit the ball out in that um those dimensions you truly have to get all of it mm-hmm. um but then on the flip side like tommy said people like to see dinger so if you're playing a series where there's one home run in three games uh the people don't like that people want to see a uh, ball's hit to the moon so with, with football's uh, weird just like yeah. even because like some dingers are like crushed and they deserve to be out but some even some like there was a ball in that series, for example, that I hit to right field in the first game. It may have even been the first inning where I like, you can tell, I might make a TikTok out of this. You can tell I genuinely had no idea where the ball went. I knew I like hit it well, but I thought it was like fouled off and hit behind me. And the next thing I know, I see Zerlak like tracking over to the fence in right field. It was kind of like a pop-up. Yeah. But even on that deeper field, it almost got out. So might have I don't been know. out of the meadows. Oh, for sure it would have been out yeah. of the meadows. But yeah. it's that's one of those ones where it's like that was almost a home run there, and I still feel like I didn't deserve that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, but there's other balls like um, that you absolutely crush and you don't get rewarded for at all. Like Jordan hit one off the wall in center field that he absolutely smoked. That yeah. like is a home run at 99 percent of wiffle ball fields that wasn't out there. And Zerlag, I th- Zerlag or Chris? Yeah, Zerlag's would have been out. I think Zerlag, Zerlag hit one to the moon in center field that didn't get over, which was like would have been like well beyond like the grass line at the meadows, like would have been into the tall yeah. stuff. So Whoa. it's um. It's it's a balance. Like I said, some balls, um, even at that field, like for example, there at the monster, like you could pretty much hit a pop up to left field right down the line, and it would get over. That mm-hmm. like would barely be gone at the meadows, even would still get over there because you hit it high enough and just right. far enough. So, but that's kind of the cool thing about different fields. They have their own quirks. Yeah. They have their own. It plays in favor to certain things compared to other things. So, I, I love that field. I mean, it's it's pretty cool, and um, just the changing fence levels is awesome. Like it's full ninety degrees, which is cool. They have a couple different colors in the turf and stuff like that. So you, there's not much to complain about when it comes to the, the Shangri-La field. What are you guys maybe, um, you know, more directed towards Jordan? What was what was working for you out there on the mound? Obviously, you guys held the Gators scoreless um, through the whole series, through three games, which is no small feat. But, that they're you know, they got some hitters. Chris Cheatham's a good hitter. He's hitting over 300. We know that he's, you know, usually good for one or two home runs a series. Um, and Zerlag, we've seen, you know, flashes of greatness from him batting. So what was working for you guys out there as a team? You individually, but as a team as well. Um, I'll go. So, like, I would say this is directly after the Eagles series where we got absolutely obliterated. Um, <laughs> you hate to see that. You know, we're going to pretend that thing never happened. Right, um, right. But um, you got to learn from times like that. Like, if you don't come away from a loss and, and try and learn something, then it's just history is going to repeat itself. So, um, coming after that, coming out of that Eagles series, I knew I had to develop more pitches. I needed to vary my motion, vary timing, do anything to make people not hit the ball over the fence off, you know, because that happened quite a bit. Um, so, I'd say varying my motion. Um, the ball that was used in the Oklahoma series was also fantastic. I was able to get a screw ball. I was able to get various drops, like a drop that would kind of screw in on the hands, a uh, drop curve that would slide off the plate, and then just a straight 12-6. So um, being able to attack the zone early, which is something you can't see on the video because you don't see the last pitch, but um, attacking the zone early and then putting people, putting the batter down 0-2 to the point where anything I throw remotely close to the zone, they have to respect because you're down two strikes. 
um, to just hit the tag in the zone early, throwing good pitchers' pitches, which I hadn't really done at all prior to this year's. And anytime I pitch D backs, Cobras, or uh, the Eagles, um, definitely helped out a lot. So I'm feeling a lot more confident on the carpet, and uh, I feel like Happy Gilmore is like Happy learned how to putt. <laughs> I don't know how I feel uh, after this series, you know, like somebody's figuring out how to throw stuff that doesn't go straight and get hit over the moon. It was the it was the happy learned how to putt part, not the one when he's at the putt putt course going, "You're gonna die, clown." <laughs> 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 Gotta put in the time. That was probably like my eagle series. Yeah. Oh, that happy Gilmore, you're gonna die, clown. Yeah, so, you know, like similar story arc to Happy Gilmore. I will say, um. I was from as a from a manager's perspective and as a player's perspective and a teammate of Jordan and Caden. We just did a great job at throwing strikes. Like, um, I mean, Jordan knows too. Like, yes, he had a screwball going and a great like variety of pitches, but like him and Caden both don't have like insane like movement, like the Sawyer B and curveball and like the Kyle Schultz screwing riser and like stuff like that. But they just attacked the zone and it worked so well in that environment um, in front of the crowd and feeding off that energy and putting the pressure on the Gators and stuff like that. It was uh, it was insane. I think. I put in the stats um, on Friday, and I want to say, I think combined we had two, I think Jordan had zero walks and Caden had one, I think. Don't quote me on that, guys, but it was one or two walks the whole series for the for the Mallards, which is, like, insane. Because that way, even if they hit a home run, like, it was going to be a solo shot, you know what I mean? So it yeah. was, it was we did such a good job of that, and we always preach that as a group, like, just throw strikes, and if they hit a bomb off you, it's just one run on the scoreboard, you know what I mean? So. And building off that, I mean, Tom, but both you guys can comment on it, what a... What a performance from Caden. I mean, oh, I know, dude. The Mallards, out party. the Mallards is, you know, we've we've talked about it basically every time we've talked about the Mallards on this podcast that, um, I mean, call it what it is, you guys have been looking for a number two arm really still the whole season so thus far. And Caden came in and threw a shutout. I mean, the kid was throwing strikes. It, the, his, his pitches had movement. He was confusing batters. Like you said, I he was, you know, limited on his walks, maybe one or two walks. So... I mean, that is massive for the Mallards because with, with the, the stats that you guys are putting up at the plate, if you can have two solid pitchers going into the postseason, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, to you know, bring a whole new look to, to the Mallards organization. So I, 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 we'll get Caden on this pod soon because um, I'd like to hear his thoughts just on, on, his, on that experience and you know, what he had been changing and working on. But he looked really good. Yeah, he uh, maybe we can get him on later this show, Jack. You never okay. know. Um, but um, yeah, he did a fantastic job, and I, I think a, a lot of it is in part two. We've we've preached about it for you know years now on this podcast, or I should say a, a year. But the chemistry, team chemistry mm-hmm. is so important, and like um, just getting to know Caden over the last two years, and as our like our friendship has developed, and then we got like that long car ride out to Oklahoma together, and we were having fun, and just like I think he was truly having fun out there. And I think that helped so much, like, take the pressure off his shoulders. And, like, he's getting more comfortable around me. And me, him, and Jordan are all kind of bonding as, as a trio now. So, like, it just it all feeds into it, right? And yeah. I knew he had the talent. And he's been putting in the work. So it was just a matter of time. And I really hope he can continue that into uh, into the next series. So <laughs> love it. Love it. Jack putting in the work behind the scenes. Also, <laughs> me and Jack were playing footsie behind, under the knee. Yeah, we did actually play footsie for <laughs> listeners. When Jordan was weird. talking, we had a but little barefoot. We're close now. We're both barefoot. Our relationship has grown too over this past year. We've been doing this now for almost a hey, year. There's so. nothing wrong with a couple bros touching toes every once in a while. It happens. <laughs> it happens on accident and you know what? You just you it laugh happens. it off and you move on with your day. It happens. Um, well, Jordan, I, I do want to hear from Caden, and I'm, I'm seeing the reason I said maybe we can get him on later in the show because I'm seeing text messages pop up on my laptop, so I oh, think he go. could probably join us. So okay, cool. I will let you go in a few moments, Jordan, so we can hear from our, our counterpart on the Mallards organization. But um, I want to say just feeding off of that energy you experienced in Oklahoma and um, seeing what's possible out there. Like, yeah, what I guess I'm kind of spoiling the question, but like, what do you think really is possible? And what do you think, like, when you dream about like the next event or the next venue, like, where do you want to go? Yeah, so the moment I landed in New York City, um, driving home, driving past Yankee Stadium, and that that's the only thing I can think about is, like, it, it's obviously a very crazy thought, but, you know, it's possible. After doing this series in Oklahoma, after seeing the Toledo Mudhead series, like, mm-hmm. Uh, these things could be a snowball effect, which could lead to bigger, you know, bigger opportunities. And who knows, man, like, I don't feel like it's too crazy to say if MLW 
ever played a series that MLW could play a series in Yankee Stadium. Um, if that ever happens, I pray that MLW picks the Mallards. You know what I mean? I know. But, uh, <laughs> I think I think um, logistically it would make a lot of sense to pick the Mallards. We, we like to do things around here that that makes sense, right, Jordan? And with New York being uh, your your stomping grounds, I think it would it would make a lot of sense for the Mallards to get selected for a series in uh, in Yankee Stadium. So. That's uh, I know me, me and you kind of joked about that, and not even joked about it, but talked about like the possibility of that and like how incredible it would be. But you never know, man. It could that could happen as soon as next year. You you never know if we get get yeah, in contact with the right contact with the right person and get the right contacts on board. You uh, you never know. Sky's the limit. Yeah, I feel like you know MLW has a fantastic fan base. We definitely uh, pack the house, and Northeast Wiffle Ball is huge. So mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a perfect storm, and I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. that experience. I know, I know. All right, Jordan. Well, before I let you go, um, I do want to say um, I want to thank you and I want to congratulate both of us that we did officially clinch a spot in the postseason after this sweep of the Gators. So uh, it's been a couple of years since I've Rebo. been there, and I'm, I'm excited for the Mallards to be back in the playoffs. And um, hoping we can make a little run. So uh, we'll see. Time will tell. Yep. Um, shout out Gordon Bombay, RIP Hans, and Tommy. You're absolutely correct. The Mallards are back in the postseason. Ducks are swimming firmly into the postseason. We are swimming. We are swimming. But all right, Jordan, I'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Hopefully the weather is better out there than it is here. And uh, go Mallards. Yep. See you, Tommy. See you, Jack. And yep, go Mallards. All right. Thanks for joining us. See you later. All right. We are now joined by... Mr. Irwin, by the way. So we have the Mallards now. Maybe I have the wrong profession. We have a gym teacher, and Caden, you're math and science, right? Yeah, that's right. First job in teaching, correct? That is correct. First one. So you've been, what are you, two weeks in, or are you one weekend now as a teacher? Uh, this will be one weekend. One weekend. How's it going so far? I was kind of nervous for you, to be honest. <laughs> it's been going really good, actually. I've had a few kids come up to me and ask me about it. About, about football? MLW and stuff, Yeah. So they know, and they bring it up all the time in class. So I got like, you know, bring them back into like math or science. So what? What? What grade is that? This is fifth grade. Nice. So they're like ten years old, ten, eleven. Nice. That's uh. Yeah. I don't, Kate, and I, no I, I got a lot of respect for you. That yeah. is seriously no joke, and um, I think it's a lot more challenging than people think. Me and Kate have yeah. had this conversation many times, and even Jordan, because he's a teacher too. Um, and I, I think that. In a perfect world, I would like being a teacher, right? Like, and I think I'd probably do best at math just because that's my best subject. But what would really ruin it for me, and I don't know if I'd have the patience for it, is like, say I'm teaching high school, right? Say yeah. I was teaching a class of 30 kids. If only eight out of the 30 kids were actually listening to what I was saying and the rest of the kids had no interest at all, I would just be like, you know, what am I doing with my life? Like, no one even cares what I'm talking about, blah, blah, blah. Like, for the eight yeah. kids that were invested, it'd be awesome. Yeah. But like, I guess that's part of the skill of being a teacher, right? Is how do you keep keep your audience? It's not like being a YouTuber. How do you keep your audience right. entertained for the entire video? Right. So um, that's why I like fifth grade because I think that's like the age that you still care about school for the most part. At least everybody, and they can like tie their shoes, you know. <laughs> so I don't, like not like kindergarten and like first grade where you have to literally do everything for them. Mm-hmm. So they're at like a kind of a good age to where it's like a good mix. Yeah, I'm trying to think you back to my, I mean? my fifth grade days. Fifth grade math, yeah. I don't even remember what I was learning, but it definitely wasn't super easy. It was starting to get up there a little bit in the difficulty level. You're past like the addition, right. subtraction, and multiplication phases. You're into you're in long division. Maybe some long division. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely long, long division. division. Yeah. Long divisions for sure. Fractions. Fractions. Ah, oh, the fractions. You know what killed me early part. out of my career in math, and even um, even like up through high school and college, I was always horrible at geometry. And I think that starts to get shown in fifth grade, too. Do you do any of that? It does, yeah. We start working with shapes, yeah. Yeah, like doing the radius of a circle and figuring out the area of a circle and the surface. I never liked any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, we introduced some of that in fifth grade, but But it's about, like, rotations. Remember that? Reflections. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's not too bad. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Moving along a plane. But I, I've yeah. been making jokes, guys, and that I want to go crash Caden's class one day and go meet the kids just to see what it's like and to see the vibe. But I really want I to do it, it in the fall. Just I don't know what I would. Would that be like allowed or would that be frowned upon, Caden? Yeah, you could come in. Like I could like have you do something like with a small <laughs> group or something too. I could do. A, I could talk for twenty minutes, I guess. Yeah, a little uh, show and tell. A little show and tell. Bring it, Tom. <laughs> Here's how to start a podcast, kids. Here's how to podcast. <laughs> yeah. Career day. More like career day. Here career, day with, career day with your local YouTuber. 
yeah. I don't know. I'd, it, it would be funny though. I would I would be curious to see like just what it's like. I want I want to see what it's like to be a teacher and to be up there talking to all the kids. But I, I've had my taste of doing certain events, but I don't want to get too off topic. Um, but anyway, um, the, the 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 main idea today, Caden, is the Oklahoma series. We got diverted there. Um, yeah. But obviously an incredible experience. We just wanted to hear about it from your perspective as well as talk about your your performance. Your kind of your coming out party there on on the mound. So um. Um, first, just touch on the atmosphere and, and um, how it, how how you perceived the event went. Oh, that's all right. Um, it was pretty crazy. I forget who said it. It kind of felt like a state championship feel, like later at night, um, with all the fans going crazy. It was loud. Like there, it was pretty loud on the field. Like you could feel it um, mm-hmm. in the video. You can tell it was loud, but it felt even louder. While, yep, we said the same there. thing. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, like it was. It was loud. Um, and like when we huddled up, like we had to get close together to talk to each other. I, that's what I was saying. It was hard for me to even do mic. It was hard for me to yeah. even do mic'd up. Like it felt so loud that I like, I was like, this microphone is not gonna be able to pick up what I'm saying right now. But I'm glad yeah, you said that. You can see it in like the last inning. I forget when we did it, but it was in the last inning. We had like a little huddle, like behind the mound, the three of us. Like we had to mm-hmm. get super close to each other because we couldn't hear each other. Um, we were talking about like what we were gonna do like defensively if a ball was in play or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, was and that, it was like it was just so loud. Was that atmosphere, Caden, like kind of what you expected it to be, or was it was it like nerve wracking at all playing in that environment? I kind of like that. I like the, the we got a couple of dogs. On we, got, we got some dogs. Mallard's got some dogs in him. Jordan basically said the same thing. Yeah, I'm not like I've played in front of crowds before other sports, so um, it's not anything new. It's definitely the first time for wiffle ball, which is even cooler. Like that made it so much better but i do like playing in front of a crowd and i think it like it doesn't like it does make me a little nervous but i think it's like a good nervous mm-hmm. like, you know like a good balance and like I, I just get more like locked in almost you know what i mean like jordan i've never seen someone more locked in in my life that guy's a different level um, of locked in in general yeah, bro. like he his something in his eye i was like oh my God, <laughs> there's just no way with him on the mound i was just like there's just no way it's the red losing. bull it's the red bull um, yeah it, it was nuts but um, speaking about just how, how you played, though, um, it, w- it was impressive. That was probably your first, like, you know, standout performance um, in this league. You've been around the game a long time, but being For in this sure. league and being on the Mallards, that was, like, your first really good performance. I want to know just how good did that feel, and were you, were you relieved a bit? Yeah, it felt really good, um, you know, because I've – struggled for sure um and i've been a pitcher my entire football career and not being able to have like any success i mean there's been little times but like an entire game it hasn't been like that so it was it felt really good to finally kind of break through i guess and now i've got so much confidence um in my ability to pitch in the league um so yeah it was huge for me uh and it felt like just like another like tournament or something it was more comfortable i don't know why but that just felt really good love to hear it. what do you uh what do you think was the difference for you was it how you prepared for that tournament was it the environment was it just you know the, the way you felt that day um i think it was just seeing like jordan and i were talking a lot and i talked to tom and when they decided the that i was going to pitch i was like all right well they've got confidence in me to go in the third game um, and I'd been practicing a lot with Tommy um, and actually Brennan Davenport. We all meet up every once in a while in practice. Um, and I've been I've been pitching pretty well. So, and I figured out my drop ball a little bit. Um, and I use that a lot. So, it was working for me, and it just kind of built my confidence up for that during the day. Well said, Mister Irwin. Students would be proud. Tom had a pretty funny line. I mean, it was cool for you to go out there and throw a shutout, especially after Tom's line in the mic mic'd up where he was like, I don't know if I would not want to be out there. <laughs> He's like, I don't really want to be out there right now. Hey, you got to call spade a spade. You know yeah. what I mean? I was like, yeah, I've been so struggling funny. a little bit. Yeah. I forget what I even said. I was just like, do we think Caden's got this? We have faith yeah. in him because I don't want to pitch. Yeah, because I don't want to be out there. <laughs> well, dude, it's just, let, let's be honest here, folks. It's just, when you are a guy who doesn't have a lot of confidence in throwing strikes, that's not what you want to it's do. It's not a good start. <laughs> when you're, when you're, no, but not even that. But yeah. like when your brand's reputation on the line, like when you're playing from oh, a crowd, yeah. you don't be like, oh, these guys in MLW, they're, they're not even good at wiffle ball. You know what I mean? Like right. you want to have guys out there that right. know what they're doing. So like I didn't want to go out there and just try to find the zone. That's not what fans want to watch. So like, <laughs> I, mean, well, gotta... when I watched the first guy and I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> 
here we go again. And Chris in the face, and I'm just like, this is just, all these kids are like, man, he really does stink. Like, well, it's not just the videos that we watch. <laughs> um, but um, what was I going to say? You, God, you're a funny guy, Kate, and you're cracking me up. Um, but I think, no, Thanks. I was going to say, you, you only you only walked one, was that your only walk of the game? That was the only walk, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we only walked one guy. That's crazy. I want to say it was one or two. But that that was the difference maker. You guys just threw so many strikes, and Caden, you were solid out there in the outfield too when you when you weren't pitching. And I, you're getting some flack. I feel like for for the bat not coming together, but you're putting together good at bats. The hits are gonna come. I haven't. I didn't see the. I didn't see obviously the all of the pitches, but there were a couple strikeouts that you had where I actually don't know how you didn't hit it. Like in the video, it literally looks like the ball, like you swung like through the ball. So like I I am I'm 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 buying Caden Irwin's batting stock low right now because I I I know you have it in you so I have confidence in you like Tom. Caden got the first Caden got the first hit of the year off of Dallas Allen this year too. Don't forget that guys. Nice. He was the very first person to get a hit off of Dallas and he put it in play his first two at bats I think off of Dallas who's one of the best pitchers That's in the true. league if not the best pitcher in the league. So the hits are gonna come Caden. I have a lot of faith <laughs> and I there. like you said I feel like everyone. Um, it's it's funny how fast the tides can turn in a season, right? Because we were feeling great at five and one, then we were five and four, and I'm like, oh god, like if we choke against the Gators, we're in trouble again. You know what I mean? So, but luckily we <laughs> and did. We were joking that I was like the bad luck charm because I yeah, show up Cade, go, oh, and three, and Cade. I'm like, man, do I just hang up the cleats? Like, <laughs> I know. I was like, I, I was like, God, I, I think Caden's the better player here. But every time I bring Caden to the field, we can't seem to win a game. It was hilarious. I know. But it's just funny, funny now in hindsight, but. No, yeah. but leaving Oklahoma and like driving home, it just felt like such a relief and like okay, we're moving in the right direction because, um, like I drafted you last year, I drafted Jordan this year, and um, just seeing all the pieces kind of come together so perfectly in Oklahoma, like with Jordan hitting a home run, um, me getting a couple yeah, hits so around, cool. and you just throwing a gem on the mound, like it just was like wow, everyone kind of contributed and did their part, and like you said, even Davenport, who like we didn't draft, but we got as a free agent, like he's been practicing with us and making both me and you get better. He helps a lot with like. Um, like he gives us rundowns, like what guys like to throw and like, he's really into wiffle ball. So like, he's yeah. definitely still playing his part in the season and, um, he's still been working. So like if his, if his opportunity comes up, he's, he's ready, but like yeah. everyone's, everyone's contributing right now. And it felt so good to sweep that series and to like actually clinch a spot in the postseason. It was a lot of weight off our shoulders, I think, to, to clinch a spot in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And we bonded a lot too. Like yeah, that's that what I Oklahoma said. trip was a lot of fun. So much flappy golf. Gotta build that Kemi. Oh, flappy golf, man! Don't ask Chris. Did we talk about, about flappy golf on this podcast yet? Did we talk about this here on the podcast? I guess not, because you look surprised. Oh my oh, gosh, man. guys! So, <laughs> I is that the one with the bird? No, it's the one that's flappy bird. Flappy golf oh. is we have a golf ball, but you control it like flappy bird. Okay. So, but I gotta tell the story. So, we're all. There was how many people in that van? There was me, you, Chris, Jorgensen, Kyle Schultz. Daniel Schultz. Eight playing. Like, yeah, eight. Eight eight men. And when I say men, we're all like, I'm, Israel is the youngest one at like 18. The rest of us are all like 21 to 24, 23, whatever. We're old people, mm-hmm. guys. The last thing I expected us to be doing for a 12 hour car ride is play iPhone games the entire time. But that is exactly what happened. Everyone was kind of <laughs> quiet at first. Um, and I don't know what happened, but we were all kind of quiet, just sleeping, napping. I had music in, chilling. And then everyone started kind of waking up around maybe 10, 10.30 in the morning after leaving at 6. And I don't know who said it, but someone's like, let's play 8-ball, like the iMessage 8-ball game. Oh, yeah. And so that started kind of a snowball. It turned into more iMessage games like archery. And um, there was a word hunt game we played a lot. And then we're talking about other like iPhone games we love. And um, Kyle Schultz, when we were in high school, was always a big flappy golf guy. If you guys don't know flappy golf, you should look it up because it is a fun game, especially with friends. But it it's essentially really like you have a little golf ball you control with your with your thumbs and you have to race everyone else playing to the hole. Now, the nice thing about Flappy Golf is you don't need Wi-Fi to play it. It's all done via Bluetooth. So like whether you're on a plane or you're on in a car ride with no signal, doesn't matter. If you got guys that are in the same radius of each other, you can play Flappy Golf. So mm-hmm. every single one of us downloads Flappy Golf, the stupid game made for kids. And played it for hours, Jack. Literally hours. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, we had to have played. We did. 
combined way there, way back, it had to have been six hours of flappy golf. Not even exaggerating. Yeah, that might even be an understatement. Six. Were your eyes bleeding? Oh, I was dead. I had never played <laughs> oh, so yeah. many iPhone games in my entire life. My thumbs were in pain. I would just say that. It was so <laughs> funny. Caden so hard. Caden and Zerlag and Kyle Schultz like the best players consistently, and Chris was horrible, and it was the funniest <laughs> thing, Chris guys. Got last every Chris, single Chris <laughs> raging when playing video games has to be one of the funniest things I've ever witnessed. In my life because you just I, hear I, all of a sudden, "No, I'm on the green." Yeah. I'm okay. So I need. To, I need. This probably isn't that funny if you haven't played the game, but you need to play it to get the context. But like, so in Flappy Golf, how it works is like. When you like tee off and you're tapping the screen, like your ball is floating through the air. And if you're not on the green, like and you tap, you're like your ball will chip, right? Like it'll go up in the air again. But if your ball is flat on the green and you tap, it'll just putt. It'll go it'll go flat on the ground towards the hole. But Chris kept like not being patient enough. So we start like the ball would be bouncing on the green and he'd tap, so it would go back up into the air, and you'd hear Chris, Why am I chipping on the green? Like, oh my god. Why am it I chipping? So funny. And he's like, dude, I'm in the water. Or like, we play all the ones that have like <laughs> obstacles and you hit the obstacles. It was so funny. And it was, it was comical. It was comical. We, we, Caden, we tried to play it again um, on the way to way there and back from uh, Vermont. And the, the energy of the group just wasn't the same. It was still funny. But yeah. that car ride, the the Flappy Golf energy was magical. And we had a full lobby, eight players. It was electric. Yeah, the full lobby made a difference maker too. I agree. It was so fun. I had a great time. I that was a lot Mr. Of fun. Schultz probably listening to this thing like, oh, that was the worst twelve hours of my life because he was the one driving. But yeah, we had for the most part a lot of fun. This the way home. I didn't feel so good, but just being dehydrated out, out there in the ninety degree heat for three days straight. But mm-hmm. Flappy Golf was a good time. I can't. I can't lie. I had fun. Shamelessly, I admit. Get, the the road trip was fun. I did like it. I, I agree. It it was it was long. I mean, it, but it was yeah. we had a, we made the most of it for sure. We saw St. Louis, which was right. sweet. I liked that part that a lot. That was really cool. Um, Caden, are you going to be road tripping with me this weekend to Peoria, perhaps? I mean, that sounds like a plan to me. Yeah, we got. Um, I got to do some logistics. Uh, I got to work some things out because I think we have we have more players that want to go than we do have hotel room space right now. So I either got to book more rooms or tell people to stay home. But we'll uh, <laughs> we'll cross hey, that know, bridge when we I get bunk there. Up if we need to. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time, Caden, that I have shared a bed, right? Yeah. <laughs> We can cuddle, Tom. It's all right. What better way to build the chemi? I mean, Jack and I yeah. already played footsie. We're playing footsies under the table right here. So Just a couple of barefoot guys doing a <laughs> podcast together. Nothing wrong with it. It's a great way to spend a Sunday morning, if you ask me. But all right, Caden, well, any final comments you want to give to the audience? We're sitting now at eight and four. We got one more series against the Magic. How how you feeling moving towards the last series, of the regular season, and then into the postseason? I'm feeling really confident, and we're playing really well. So, I mean, if we can continue how we played this past series, I think, you know, we got a pretty good shot to make a run. So I love it. I love the confidence. Yeah. I love this energy. I haven't felt this energy in a couple of years, Jack. It's good. I think you guys should be confident. You guys looked, you know, from uh, as from an unbiased perspective or as unbiased as I could be, you guys looked like a complete team out there. I'm also and liking our defense. We're playing good defense. You guys played year. good D. You guys played real good D. Um, it was nice to see Caden, you know, throw that, that gem in the third game, really seal the deal for the Mallard. So maybe a little bit too early to say, but I think quack attack is, is certainly on its way back. All right. Love it. Love it. Well, all right, Caden, yeah. we will, uh, we'll let you go. Thanks for joining us today and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hey, thanks boys. I'll see you. Take it easy. I want to, I want to get down to to the real mean potatoes of the of the Shangri-La trip. What happened in the arcade? In the arcade? What happened with Dan? You you saw exactly what happened, Jack. There was a, as you guys saw, there was a planned, we wanted to do a little skit thing to possibly use, possibly not use, depends on, depending on how it turned out, um, of, of Daniel in the arcade winning another jackpot, right? The plan was for Dan, Dan to win. And um, I don't know, he, he was not locked in. He went to the same game as he did last year, and I, I called it how it was. He uh, didn't perform. He didn't get it done. And I think there was thoughts we were going to have to scrap the documentary, and I'm like, no, don't scrap this. This is funny. <laughs> so we, uh, we we left it rolling. But um, in Dan's defense, the game that he – he did win that jackpot last year on the same game. Twice, right? He won the jackpot twice on a different machine. Uh, but this quick drop game, he he'd won last year. So I think he assumed he would just win again, and it's not an easy game to win. So um, he did end up losing, and um, it was quite funny. But we burned through a lot of money in credits, I'll tell you that right now, because <laughs> he bought $20 in credits, and then I was like, he's not going to finish this. Then I bought $20 more in credits, so we spent $40 at the arcade, 
and then he never won. I won a jackpot though. I, like everything that was said in that was true. It was obviously it was funny and, and made funnier, yeah. but like what happened was Dan was like he was gonna be in the arcade and I was gonna be like his little like coach and he was gonna try to win this jackpot and I was gonna help him do it. And he literally I was giving him tips on how to win the game. He was not listening to me. Cause <laughs> to explain the game, like you have to get all those balls into the little bins before the time runs out. So if you are not putting enough balls in per rotation, like you're going to run out of time and you're going to have balls remaining still in the, like that have to drop right. still. So if you have balls remaining at the end, like you, you don't have a chance of winning the jackpot. So Dan was, um, he wasn't even like giving himself a shot. I'm like, dude, you have to do more balls at the beginning. You're going to run out of time. And he was not listening to me. So I was like, dude, I'm done with this. Like you're frustrating me. So I walked away and then um, he uh, he told me that um, he's going to keep trying. And I was like, he's going to change his ways. And he wasn't changing. So then <laughs> change his ways. kind of as a joke, I went over to the other game where like you have to smack. It's like a, it's kind of like when you hammer the thing at the carnival, like yeah. then the thing shoots up. Mm-hmm. So it's like that. But you have to um, hit it a certain at a certain power. And then um, when you hit it the perfect power, it'll stop right at the top and get to a thousand. You get a thousand tickets. So I walked over there, did it once, and I was like two ticks off. And I was like, let me just do it a little bit harder. So I swiped my card again, did it just a little bit harder. Bink, thousand. Jackpot. <laughs> Dan's like, you gotta be kidding me. And then, <laughs> so we, there's footage in there that's like kind of fake because, like, after I won that jackpot, Kyle wasn't ready for that. So then he like didn't actually get me winning the jackpot. Um, so, like, then, like, that little like celebration of me high fiving Jorgie and Chris is like not actually when it happened. But like, when it actually happened, we were going crazy. And we had to like kind of script that part, but it genuinely happened where I ended up with more tickets than Daniel did. And it was funny because then we went to the counter to redeem our tickets. I had significantly more than he did. So then I got, yeah, I got the family size Sour Punch Straws nice. box. And then they had the same thing in like a kitty size, like a personal size one. And that's what <laughs> Daniel got. So we walked out of the arcade with the same prize. Mine was just bigger than Daniel's. So that's awesome. It's just, it's just a good reminder. I mean, normally in, in most things at some point, the apprentice typically overcomes the master in most things but this is just a friendly reminder that it's not easy to do and the master is the master for a reason as you are and uh you showed out in the arcade once again mlw's got a great track record in arcades it seems like just as a as a league we might have to start a separate side channel of just arcade like how to win arcade games because it seems like you guys really have it down to a science. We'll try to get some off, more off-season content maybe for patreon or, or whatnot of us going to arcades because i, I yeah. know Dan, Dan always wants to go to an arcade. It's funny. Um, but, I mean, arcades are fun. I can't even deny it. I don't care how old you are. It's, it's fun to go to an arcade, I think. Um, I always have a good time. So, I, I had fun. I won the jackpot. I can't complain at all. Um, I will say that, besides that, um, we did also golf on that trip, as you guys know. And right. Daniel and Jorgie beat me and Chris. We already talked about that a lot on this show. Um, other activities that we did, there was some billiards that was played. There was some foosball, some... Um, What's it called when you shuffleboard? There was some nice. shuffleboard played. Um, any other games? Oh, pickle. There was some serious pickleball that was played. I was not a part of it. I didn't feel like getting sweaty in the morning because <laughs> I was sweating all afternoon. Yeah. So on the second day there, our second full day, we didn't want to golf. We were all dead from the day before. But then Georgie and Chris and Zerlag and who was the fourth? Georgie, Chris, Zerlag, and Brennan Schultz maybe? Oh, Caden. It was Caden. Georgie, Chris, Zerlag, and and, Bre- and Caden. Played 2v2 pickleball, like, all morning. It Like, intense. Like, 90-degree heat. Like, they're all shirtless out there just sweating, going hard on the pickleball court. So, pickleball is, like, it's the nets on the ground, right? It's like wiffle ball tennis. Imagine, like, how wiffle ball is the baseball version for, like, a smaller scale with, like, plastic. Yeah. It's the same thing for pickleball, but that's, like, compared to tennis. Okay. So, is the ball is the ball plastic? The ball is, uh, like, a traditional wiffle ball with, like, the holes in it. Like, the circle, like a training oh, wiffle yeah, ball. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's played with a wiffle ball essentially, and it's used with plastic paddles. And the court is smaller than a tennis court, so like it's smaller scale tennis, and it doubles. You can play singles if you want, nice. but they went hard there for hours. And I remember I I heard they were playing, so I um, got dressed and I walked over to do the arcade segment. Um, it was the same time we were doing that, and um, I walk out there to see them going hard. And there's just some guy like standing there watching, and I'm like, who's this dude? So I I walk up, say hi to the guys playing, and I'm walking past. And then the guy's like, he's like. Hey, what's going on, Tommy? And he's like, I'm a big fan of MLW. And I'm like, oh, like, nice to meet you, that kind of stuff. He's like, it's weird seeing them do, seeing them do other things besides wiffle ball. And I'm like, I'm like, I guess you see, what you see on screen is what you get. They're competitors. They love yeah, to play. We are competitors. I think, I think we talked about the golf. I think the golf was somewhat competitive, right? But you guys never actually came up with a punishment for who lost, right? 
We're still cooking up punishments. It, it'll it'll happen because we're we're really uh, it's crunch time right now, Jack. I'm I can't lie to you. I'm stressed out with the MLW season winding down here. Yeah, I mean the it's... weather the weather's been killing me. We had such great luck with the weather all year long, and although today I've been praying and today is looking a little better, but like um, it was not looking good at first, and like it, like. People forget, like my, my parents included, that this is why I'm picking on them because this recent conversation we had, like, why can't you just play like in the morning, like move the series? I'm like, mom, we have people coming from three different states for this series. Like people are driving hours to be here. Like I can't just move it up in like yeah. a couple hours. It's so hard. People have jobs, lives, other sports. Like it's so difficult to move things when they're planned. So like when the weather doesn't cooperate, it sucks. It's also like, so, I mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the earlier months, it's pretty much. You know, you guys aren't really worried about like squeezing two series in in a week. It's like you're kind of doing one a week. Kyle's editing videos, but now with the seasonality of just life, what happens? Even though the new year is in January, really the new year kind of starts in like September, like August. Like that's when like school starts. That's when you know everyone. The summer's over, so like you know you, people who had their like summer jobs are like all going back to college or they're going back to high school. I mean, you guys have to think about the fact that we have kids like we have some kids in the league that are moving, you know, couches into their dorm rooms. And we have other that are like riding the bus home from school in mm -hmm. high school. So it's like that 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 makes everything so much harder. And on top of that, when we're trying to wrap it up so that we can get everyone, you know, involved in these videos, we're you're trying to do right. Like maybe two, maybe three series uh, a week, which is which is even more challenging. So. It does take a lot of coordination and like the biggest thing is just like communication. Like you said, like it's, it's hard to say like, you know, I can't just like put it out and be like, Oh, we'll move it up. Like the, that's not how it works, but communication is key, you know, to be able to figure out and like the plan. It could work like that. Right. So it's, it's hard. And we did move towards that a little bit more this year, but maybe not as much as I'd hope because you do have to be, have some give and take there because yes, we could just say, Hey guys, the NLDS is this day. Be there. Yeah. But then some people are like, I can't come. We don't want to film a video without, without you know, our key players. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or like, we don't want, um, if, say it wasn't a playoff series. Say it was... Magic Mallards. Magic and Mallards. We don't want, like, uh, Jack to say, well, I guess you're a bad example because you're out of state yeah, this summer. Right. But yeah. Trevor Bonham, your ace, for right. example. A guy you need there, like, oh, I can't play. Could we still do it? Well, yeah, but it would not be the best possible content for YouTube. No. So, like... We try to set a schedule and communicate in advance, but like you can only do so much in advance and then people are like, oh, I had something pop up. Like I can't be there anymore. So it's hard to we, we find good, that balance. We were- You had a good framework. You had a good idea how we started, I thought this summer. Basically, basically to put it like, Tommy had created a, a master spreadsheet, so to speak, where each team could go in and, um, you know, under their name, they could basically put whether they were available or not for, all the dates in the summer. So through basically April through September, really, um, you know, it was either red or green, like I'm, I'm available or I'm not available. And then from that, you know, the spreadsheet would sort of narrow it down so that you could see like, all right, these teams are playing, these teams can play this time or this time. And although we like, you know, didn't necessarily stick to that, like exactly, I, I felt like it gave us a good, like starting like framework of like, all right, it's gotta be played around here somewhere. The, um, it was actually pretty successful the first yeah. uh, first half of the season, even in the second half. But the problem now is with the playoffs, like you don't even know who's going to be in those games, so you sure. can't really put them on the calendar. And then on top of that, like you're trying to so say say for example we're playing the division series rounds and the championship series are next. Well, I don't know who's going to win the DS, so it depends for the CS. The CS date will depend on who wins the DS because certain guys are available on different days than other guys. So it's right. like these last like two weeks have been just kind of a mess. And I like sent yeah. a text to all the managers that were still in right now and i'm like guys i'm like i know it's been crazy but i'm like just bear with me we're almost there like keep communicating with your players and we'll get this done we're almost there so yeah on top of that so it's that the, that mess plus it's tournament times so we had the wiffle in the mitten two weeks ago or a week ago and then peoria this upcoming weekend so it's like it's just it's always a bloodbath but we're i'm trying my best to work through it and uh we're very close to being there but if the rain could just hold off mm -hmm. or playing that'd be excellent but today it's kind of shaping up to look a little better so you gotta think about when we're in the the dark ages of winter and you're you know cuddled up with your snuggie about all the uh all the fun times you had planning and running around with a, like a chicken with your head cut off doing mlw things it doesn't feel real when you're when you're not in season it does yeah. not but um we seem to pull it off every year 
Jack, before we end this episode, though, I want to talk a little bit about the Great Lakes Gators because we focused a lot on the Mallards as they were kind yes. of the high point of this Oklahoma series video, um, which is fine. I mean, that's kind of how it was um, yeah. and um, just kind of calling it how it was. But the Gators, um, they got swept to many surprise in this series, dropped to three and nine after beating the Dubacks two out of three. Mm-hmm. So they're not out of the playoffs yet because the D-backs have also struggled. They still have a chance. But why do you think this team is so inconsistent? You know, it's tough It's tough for me to say because um, the Magic are, are kind of going through some similar stuff. I mean, the the Gators didn't necessarily pitch awful, you know. They, they allowed runs, but they also limited those runs to be games that they could win if they got the bats around. And we've seen them get the bats around. Like you said, they've been, they've had great games, been inconsistent. I'm not really sure what it is. I think it's really, like, I think they've kind of found their their way on the mound but similar to the magic it's just been a real bumpy bumpy road at the plate and i think um part of their inconsistency comes from the weight that they put on chris's shoulders and when chris is when chris is not hitting well or like hitting home runs i feel like the rest of the team kind of like feels like well you know if he can't do it like we're not gonna be able to do it you know type thing and maybe they're not consciously thinking that but subconsciously, you know, watching your best player, I, I've definitely had that thought creep into my mind, like watching Jason like strike out, you know, time after time. It's like, crap, man, like if he if he's striking out like this, like, I don't know. So I think that could maybe be it. Um, but I don't know. You know, they went two one over the Diamondbacks um, just based on the the play and the inconsistency. I mean. I, I still have the, the Diamondbacks like sneaking into the playoffs. I feel like they're probably going to out outlast the, the Gators here in like the final stretch just because, like you said, of the inconsistency. And I don't know what – I don't know what uh, – like I'd be interested to talk to uh, to Zerlak and see what, what he thinks it comes from and what he's thinking as a manager because wasn't too long ago this team was, you know, winning the World Series. So, I don't know. It's uh... – no, I agree with what you said. Um, but things change quickly in football. You know, two years is a long time in the MLW world when they when they won the World Series. So um, I will say that one thing that I noticed as a player um, playing against them in that series, which maybe it's been a recurring issue for them, but I really it's hard to say because I'm not as locked into that until I'm playing against them. But I did notice a bit um, a lack of patience and discipline at the plate. I felt like there was a lot of times where. And it helps when your pitchers are throwing a lot of strikes, right? Yeah. Because it, it forces guys to, to be aggressive. But there were several instances where Caden or Jordan did not throw a first pitch strike, but mm-hmm. those guys were swinging and getting down in the count 0-1. So just something to think about, something I noticed. But that's like – I so that's something I think the, the fans should consider and continue to like remind themselves and put it in perspective. You guys only see really the last pitch of the at-bat. So – what you guys don't see are when Jordan, you know, pumps the first two pitches in for strikes and you look at them both. Okay, well, I just saw what those two look like. And then he throws a pitch that looks a lot like it. You know, it's a lot like it, but it's a little bit different and it ends up being a ball and everyone's like, oh, you're swinging at junk. It's like, well, I'm, you know, it's it's a one-two count now or two-two count now at this point. I just saw that pitch twice. It's a little different pitch. So it's like, and then when Caden comes up, right, they've, now they've faced Jordan twice, who you said was, and, and he said was attacking the zone early. So now they're, you know, kind of in that mode of like, all right, the pitcher's attacking early, attacking early. Even if they're balls, it's like the in the hitter's mind, they're thinking, you know, I got to be protective here. I got to be aggressive like the pitcher. And and that leads to, like you said, you know, first pitch swings and, and, uh, and strikes. But um, that's something that, like, I think goes a little bit, uh, like it flies under the radar a little bit or unmentioned when I when I read some of the comments like I've seen comments it's like Agner swings at everything like Agner's you know you're swinging at John I know they like, don't see the whole thing like you gotta you gotta take it you gotta you know think about the pitches like before I, have I swung at terrible pitches and struck out absolutely like 100 percent but there's also a lot of them where you know I can I can tell what the what the batter's thinking in their mind when you see him swing at a bad pitch it's like oh you know I know where that guy was thinking you know but yeah yeah take it with a grain of salt yeah you got to take it with a grain of salt it's just there's there's so much that goes on um that factors into you know out at bats and outcomes of games so 
the Gators just did not find themselves on the right side of the, the right side of the fence this time. But um, upcoming in the NL to wrap up the year. So the Gators are now three and nine. The D-backs are two and seven. The D-backs have to play the Eagles in this slate. Um, so very tough matchup for them, and kind of a must-win series for them. They need yeah. to at least they can't get swept. That's for sure. Um, and then after that, the Gators have the Wildcats in the fifth slate, and the Diamondbacks have the Cobras in the mini MLB series. So some tough teams in that mix for yeah. all, all the teams. So that's that's a tough road for the D-backs. That three seed in the NL could have an ugly record for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out on both sides. I'm excited to see. It's going to be wild. wild. Second half is officially underway with the Oklahoma series kicking it off, and um, I think that is a preview as to what is to come in this this second slate of games. But uh, thanks for tuning in this week, guys. We appreciate it, and we will uh, catch you in the next one. Peace.